God is moving things forward. God will make provision for his people, for his church, for his plan. The gospel will continue to go out. New leaders will be raised up. The spirit will be given to those who believe. The Lord Jesus will come back. Yes, the church will be built and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. And Jonathan, what a great way to wrap up this series, just being reminded of those truths. It is a wonderful way to conclude the series and the story of the life of Abraham, to see that God's work doesn't finish with the death of his servant, but the Lord has a, a plan that spans the generations, the centuries, even millennia, and points to Christ and finds fulfillment in him. And, and it is wonderful with all the ups and downs of Abraham's life to see that God's purposes and plans have not been disrupted in any way, but have come to fruition now in the next generation. And we see that story roll on throughout the Old Testament, even as we come to Christ and the fulfillment of all God's promises in him. And it's, it's just wonderful to be reminded that God is faithful to all that he has said, and he is able to bring about his purposes in the ups and downs of human history. So yes, it is a lovely way to finish the series. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've appreciated in looking at and studying the story of Abraham is seeing those ups and downs. But even in the midst of Abraham's faithfulness or his disobedience, God has always been faithful and he is always there doing redemption all along the way. That's exactly right. And as we look at the big picture, we, we know that God was absolutely committed to bring the story of Israel, really, the story of Abraham's family, to the point at which the Messiah would come and bring salvation even to the world. And we now know, looking back, there was no way that plan was going to be disrupted. But for us now, waiting for the return of Christ and the fulfillment of all God's kingdom purposes. We take assurance that nothing is going to disrupt God's plans and purposes going forward as they reach their glorious conclusion. And that's very heartening for us and very encouraging as we look back at this story and, uh, and the close of the life of Abraham. Well, we're going to see that today in Genesis chapter 24. So grab a Bible, join us there as we wrap up our message. The blessing continues. Here is Jonathan. You might remember that the very first words of Abraham's that are recorded in the story were the dishonest words that he spoke to Pharaoh in chapter 12. Those are the first things we hear Abraham actually say, misrepresenting his situation with Sarah. The words to his servant here in verses 2 to 8 are now his final words that we hear spoken, words of faith in the covenant promises, words of integrity. And what a contrast. But the contrast is there because Abraham has learned over time, learned through the sheer blessing, learned through the sheer kindness of God that he could trust him. His faithfulness in verse 2 follows his experience in verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in all things. Now, friends, I look at what Abraham had learned and what he models for us by this point, and I'm prompted to ask myself, and I'm prompted to ask you, where is it that God is calling you to risky, unlikely, potentially costly, certainly uncomfortable 
faithfulness. Where is he calling you to that today? Where is he calling you to do the right thing against the odds, the right thing by faith and not by sight, the right thing that is going to be much harder perhaps than the wrong thing in the short term? Maybe it is actually in this particular question of marriage. I suspect for some today that is the particular issue. Will I trust God enough to do what's right and to wait upon him for the outcome? Maybe it's some other big life decision. Maybe it's something else that's relatively smaller at the moment. But as you consider it, whatever it is, let me encourage you to learn from the faithfulness of God, his faithfulness revealed in the scriptures, his faithfulness revealed in the life of Abraham, his faithfulness experienced by you over the years walking with him. Let me encourage you, look back and see how God has blessed you in every way. See how good he has been to you as he is to his servants. And so trust him with what lies ahead. Trust him even with these costly acts of faithfulness. The Lord teaches his servants through his blessings. That's the first lesson for us here. Next, we see that God persists in blessing his servants to the end. The way that the story proceeds, it is really just pure delight. It's a little dreamlike. It's certainly very lovely. And it just speaks volumes about the heart and the character of God. The servant of Abraham, he loads up these 10 camels with choice gifts from his master. Verse 10, this is an impressive delegation from a very rich man's house. This is, if you, if you like to imagine it, 10 gleaming Range Rovers with the trunks stuffed full of packages and gifts from the finest retailers, boxes from Tiffany's and Nordstrom, Selfridges and Bloomingdale's, Gucci and Prada, way down and off they go. And when they arrive, this servant, who is clearly a godly person, a person of real faith, he he kneels down by the well and he prays this wonderful prayer. It's probably the first substantial personal petition in the whole of the Bible, verse 12. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. And he asks that the young woman who comes willing to help draw water might be the right one. Well, it's a good prayer for guidance, a lovely prayer of faith. And verse 15 tells us that before he is finished speaking, the Lord has brought the answer. His answer comes in the person of Rebecca, a beautiful maiden, verse 16, the woman of God's choosing. She, she shows herself kind and hospitable, and she helps these travelers at the well. Abraham's servant needs help watering the camels, and she kindly obliges. This is not a small favor. It's 10 camels, and each could have lost 25 gallons of water, I'm told, in a journey such as theirs. 250 gallons of water to draw. Not a small favor at all. But Rebecca proves herself gracious and industrious, too. And she only rises in our estimation. The servant asks if there might be room at her father's house for these travelers. And she insists that, yes, there is, along with straw and fodder for the camels. This servant, he can see the Lord's hand in all this. And at this point, his heart just overflows, verse 26. 
the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Rebecca runs home to say what's happened. Her brother Laban comes out and invites the servant in. He tells the household the whole story. And then Laban and, and Rebecca's father Bethuel respond, verse 50, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. They let her go, but they do, however, suggest a delay. Just allow the thing to settle for a few days. But Abraham's servant, he feels the urgency to get back to his master. And so they ask Rebecca, would you be willing to go? Verse 58, what a question. Will you go with this man, this relative stranger? Now, all kinds of questions might have been turning over in her mind. We can hardly imagine. But she replies simply in a way that the Lord himself must have enabled, I will go. She's willing, and she departs with the blessing of her family. Now, it's all so unlikely, so astounding, so wonderfully God-ordained. I mean, what are the odds of finding such a beautiful young woman of the right family, of the right heart, at the right place, at the right time? No one could have planned this out. Abraham certainly couldn't have orchestrated it, but the Lord did it. Laban and Bethuel, they were right. The thing, it, it's come from the Lord. But the all-important thing hasn't yet happened. Isaac and Rebekah haven't yet met, and perhaps this is the most delightful part of the story. As the entourage returns, Isaac is out in the fields meditating, verse 63. He's spending time with the Lord, and that speaks something about the Lord's faithfulness in this family. But he looks up, and camels are coming, and the scene is now lovely, middle of verse 63. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah, she lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. She asks who this is, the man whose eyes have met hers, and she discovers, yes, it's, it's Isaac. The servant tells Isaac the grand story in verse 67. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. It is quite literally a marriage made in heaven. It's a beautiful thing, a lovely story. It's certainly a very heartwarming account. But again, we ask, what are we to see in it? What are we to make of it and to learn? Well, we're going to take a look at what we are to learn when we get back to this message in just a moment. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, a message called The Blessing Continues. And if you missed the beginning of this broadcast, you can't stay with us through the end, or maybe you missed a, another program in the series, you can always come to the website and listen to each and every broadcast there. It's EncounterTheTruth.org. And whether you listen online or through the radio, it's all made possible because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book written by Jeremy Marshall. It's called Hope in the Face of Suffering. Jeremy has been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and he shares in this book principles that he's learned through his own experience, the ability to connect the difficulties that Christians face in this life with the deep-seated joy that's found in knowing Jesus. We'd love to send you a copy of this book as our way of saying thanks for your support this month. 
You can find out more or give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-998-7884. That might be easier to remember as 833-99-TRUTH or again, the website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Back to the message. Here is Jonathan. It is quite literally a marriage made in heaven. It's a beautiful thing, a lovely story. It's certainly a very heartwarming account. But again, we ask, what are we to see in it? What are we to make of it and to learn? Well, on one level, I think we're seeing here that the, the God of the Bible, the God in whom we trust, He is not in the business of planning meager gifts and minor blessings for those who trust Him and those who follow Him. God is bountifully generous, wonderfully kind. His plans are good plans, really good plans, better than we could imagine plans. Now, that's not to say that everyone who wants to get married, going back to that theme, it's not to say that everyone who wants to get married will, will find that person of their dreams and the story will end with eyes meeting across a misty field and love at first sight and all that sort of thing. No, that's not the particular point. The point is that God is, is, is able to guide. He, he is able to provide. He is able to do more than we anticipate or expect. He is faithful to those who entrust themselves to him, faithful to his servants. He is good to his children. Abraham has been following the Lord for something approaching 100 years at this point. There have been ups and there have been downs, but the Lord hasn't wavered. The Lord hasn't given up. He hasn't changed course. He hasn't lost interest. No, not at all. He hasn't lost interest in Abraham. He hasn't lost interest in Abraham's family. And he hasn't lost interest in his greater plan of salvation. And that's the point of ultimate significance here. There are certain types of projects that stretch beyond the working life of any of the participants in the work. You think of the job of building a great piece of infrastructure or a grand building. Think of the Great Wall of China. Think of a, a great world city's subway system. Think of the cathedrals of the medieval world. These projects, they stretch on for decades, sometimes centuries. The, the Great Wall of China was completed over many centuries, even millennia. England's York Minster Cathedral took 252 years to complete. In, in some cases, there's a master plan at the beginning, but there is a sense in which the work is never done. Now, the great danger with a project like that is that the key players will lose interest or lose resources or lose opportunity to continue the work beyond the day of its founders. And it just, it withers. None of the principal architects is going to be around long enough to see the work through to its completion. Well, the great comfort here in this passage is the assurance that God himself is committed to his people, to his covenant family, to his plan, and to his great blessing. Abraham, he is not going to be around to see the job completed. But the Lord is showing him in his kindness, the Lord is showing him before his death that he is persistent in his blessing. He is committed to finishing the work. And Abraham is allowed to die in the knowledge that there's provision for the family, provision for the next stage in the plan. He dies, chapter 25 and verse 8, at a good old age, 175 years, that really is a good old age, and he's gathered to his people. He's buried in that cave that he bought for his wife. He's buried in the promised land alongside Sarah. But with his death, the story of God's work, it, it doesn't stop. And the blessing of God upon his people, it, it, it doesn't cease. Verse 11, 
after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. And we think back to the beginning of chapter 24 and the fact that God had blessed Abraham in his lifetime in every way. And Isaac settled at Beer Lahay Roy. The blessing hasn't finished. One of the tests of faith we will all face in some measure is this. How is the work of the gospel, the work of the church, the work of God in my family, the work of God in my society, the work of God in this particular ministry in which I'm involved, how is the work going to go forward after my day? Maybe you've had some significant ministry role in your life so far. Maybe you've built some gospel outreach. Maybe you've been the, the spiritual glue in your wider family. Maybe you've supported gospel ministry financially in a significant way. So there are a few ministries that really rely on you and your gifts. And at some point, you've got to ask the question, maybe you're asking it now, how is all this going to look when I'm done, when I am no longer able to give or to teach or to lead or to serve? I'm so committed to this, and I don't see anyone else with quite my passion for this particular need, this particular work, this particular ministry, these particular people. The cathedral, it, it's half built, <laughs> and I, I know I'm not going to live to see it finished. Now, this is a real issue that believers have to work through. If you're an older believer and you, you kind of see your home going <laughs> on the horizon, it may be an issue you're actually really wrestling with at the present time. Maybe you're struggling with it, if you're honest. But this incident, this story, it is such an encouragement, isn't it? Such a help. You see, God himself, he is persistent, and he is tenacious, and he is unyielding. Unyielding in pouring out his blessing upon his people, on furthering his plan, on furthering his work. You know, eventually you are going to have to stop. Eventually, you are going to have to hand over the reins. Eventually, your energy will be spent and will be gone. That's what we see here. But God himself, he has the bigger picture in view. He cares more about the work than you care about the work. He loves the people involved more than you love them. And he won't give up and he won't forget. The family story, the, the story that moves forward here through the gift of a wife from Isaac, it proceeds through the coming generations. It continues on through the whole of the Old Testament, and, and it points, doesn't it, to the coming of a child, a many times great-grandchild of Isaac and Rebekah, a child who would arrive in accordance with the plan of God, who would live and who would die and who would rise again and who would ascend on high to fulfill the promises of God, promises of blessing to the world through the forgiveness of sin. The story, it points forward further to his return and to a future in a greater land above for the entire family of faith. God, he's persistent in giving his blessings to the end and beyond the end. Abraham needed to see that at the time of his death. And we need to see it, and we need to register it in our day. The death of the great servants of God is always a hard time for the people of God. You know, I sometimes think of, 
A great leader like the Victorian preacher Charles Spurgeon who preached to congregations of thousands and was beloved in Britain and beyond. And I think of his untimely death. And I'm sure that many felt that the evangelical movement must, must just run out of steam with the death of Spurgeon. After all, how could the church go on without him? Or I remember so much more recently the death of the evangelist Billy Graham, who in so many ways embodied and personified the evangelical movement in the English-speaking world. And I remember the feeling when his death was announced, who could possibly take up his role and move things forward? But the answer is simple, isn't it? God is moving things forward. God will make provision for his people, for his church, for his plan. The gospel will continue to go out. New leaders will be raised up. The spirit will be given to those who believe. The Lord Jesus will come back. Yes, the church will be built. And the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is persistent. God is unyielding in bestowing his blessings upon his people in accordance with his promises. And friends, if the story of Abraham teaches us anything, it teaches us this persistence of God that will not give up. It teaches us that God trains us by his blessings. He shapes us by his kindness. And that blessing of God, that kindness of God, it continues to the end of our day and to the end of all days. For us as the children of God, what a privilege it is to know this God as our Father, to learn faithfulness daily through His kindness, to have the assurance of His commitment to bless us to the very end. But I'm just conscious as I rejoice in that truth, I'm just conscious that there will be some listening who don't have any of this assurance we've been talking about, don't actually know this God personally. Perhaps you're listening to this and you're thinking that there is something very attractive about all this the assurance, the security, but you don't have it. It's not yours. And as we close, as we close this series in the life of Abraham, I just want to say there is room for you in the family of God. This God of persistent blessing. He welcomes all into his family who will receive his son by faith. Jesus came as the fulfillment of all these promises and he came and he died for you that you might be cleansed of sin, that you might be forgiven, that you might be welcomed in, that you might have security and purpose and hope, the security and purpose and hope that belong to Abraham and to Isaac and to all the children of God. I wonder if you would do that. I wonder if you would respond to that invitation personally even today. Well, I hope that you will respond to that invitation today to come to Jesus and experience the blessing that he offers. Our message has been called The Blessing Continues, part of our series entitled Simply the Blessing, where we've been taking a look at the story of Abraham. If you missed any of the broadcast in the series, you can always come to the website and listen online at EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth is listener-supported. That's exactly what it sounds like. It is your generous giving that keeps Jonathan's teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book called Hope in the Face of Suffering. And Jonathan, for those who are suffering, how is this book going to be helpful? 
Well, I trust it, it will be an immense help to you if you are going through a time of suffering. Jeremy Marshall writes as one who is living through a, a personal experience of terminal cancer, of incurable cancer, and he is facing that as one who is looking to Christ and trusting in the promises of God's Word. And in this little book, he simply shares the message of hope found in the Bible, found in Jesus Christ, and applies it to those who are enduring suffering and grappling with the frailty of human life in this world. And I think that personal perspective and that biblical perspective will come together to be a tremendous encouragement to you if you're suffering or to those to whom you might like to give this book who are going through a time of suffering. Well, we want to give you a copy of this book as you give a financial gift of any amount this month. You can find out more, give online when you come to EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. Again, our website, EncounterTheTruth.org and our phone number, 833-998-7884. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time.